It's Friday, April the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, China's shrunken economy and Trump's swift exit plan. First, the world in brief. China's economy shrank for the first time in 44 years. GDP fell by 6.8% in the first quarter compared with last year. The pandemic was naturally to blame. More worryingly, year-on-year retail sales fell drastically in March, despite the reopening of many shops and restaurants. Donald Trump unveiled a three-stage plan for America's governors on how to reopen the state's economies. He called on them to move very, very quickly. He would like restrictions to start easing by May 1st, but refrained from arrogating their authority. Public health officials say America is not conducting nearly enough of the testing and tracing that would be required to allow people to return safely to work. Yesterday, America recorded a further 2,000 deaths, bringing the total to around 30,000. New figures showed that another 5.2 million Americans applied for unemployment benefits last week as the pandemic's effects spread across the country. This brings the total number of jobs lost in four weeks to around 22 million. Before the pandemic, the unemployment rate stood at a five-decade low of 3.5%. It could hit 15% this month or even higher. Abe Shinzo, Japan's Prime Minister, expanded a state of emergency to cover all the country's 47 prefectures. Regional governments will urge people to stay inside to slow the spread of the virus, but they will not be able to punish those who ignore the guidance. The measures will last until at least May 6th. Brazil's right-wing president Jair Bolsonaro sacked his health minister Luiz Mandetta, who led the country's efforts to contain the coronavirus outbreak. Mr. Mandetta had emphasised social distancing, while Mr. Bolsonaro had derided COVID-19 as a little flu. A recent poll by Datafolo, a research firm, rated Mr. Mandetta more than twice as popular as the president. The head of the African Union's Centres for Disease Control and Prevention unveiled an initiative to increase coronavirus testing in Africa. Beginning next week, more than one million tests will be rolled out. Many millions are likely to be needed in the next few months when the virus is expected to hit hard. Africa currently has around 17,000 confirmed cases. A controversial bill to restrict abortion in Poland has been halted after legislators voted to send it to two committees for more discussion. This could mean the law, which is backed by the Catholic Church and would ban abortion even for severe prenatal defects, would be mothballed for years. Poland already has some of the tightest abortion restrictions in Europe. And editor's note. The Economist is making some of its most important coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. For details, visit our hub at www.economist.com forward slash coronavirus. And now here's today's agenda. First blood, China's economy. That the economic damage from the coronavirus pandemic will be immense is obvious. Just how bad and when can the country start to heal? China offered a preliminary answer today when it announced that its first quarter GDP fell by 6.8% compared with last year. The last time China's economy shrank was 1976, the year the Cultural Revolution ended. It was a foregone conclusion that growth had suffered after lockdowns were imposed nationwide in late January. More notable, therefore, were indicators for March. Encouragingly, industrial production fell just 1% year-on-year, a reflection of progress made in restarting factories. Discouragingly, retail sales were down 16% over the same period, with stores and restaurants open but few visiting them. Having drastically reduced new infections, China's economy is creaking back to life, but people remain anxious and movement is restricted. 
In such an inhospitable environment, familiar now around the world, the recovery is likely to be tepid at best. What comes next? Britain's hospitals and the coronavirus. The British outbreak of COVID-19 appears to be peaking. Some 13,729 people have died, but the daily death count is beginning to edge down. Although Britain is among the worst affected countries in Europe, the National Health Service has proved up to the job. The rapid reconfiguration of services in existing hospitals, with elective surgery postponed, non-COVID patients discharged and medics reassigned, has been so effective that the rapidly established field hospitals have seen little traffic. Nightingale, one such in London with space for 2,900 patients, had just 19 over the Easter weekend. Attention is now increasingly turning to the consequences of focusing an entire health system on one task. Accident and emergency departments are unprecedentedly empty, with people seemingly avoiding hospitals even when in need of treatment. Referrals for heart problems and cancer have plummeted. The NHS has got three of the first wave of the virus, but at what cost? Out of luck. America's immigration clampdown. COVID-19 caught Donald Trump flat-footed and his response was widely panned. But the crisis did allow him to seize a long-sought opportunity to halt immigration at America's borders. Last month, the administration invoked a law from 1944 allowing it to refuse entry to people who might carry an infectious disease. The ban will almost certainly be extended before it expires on Sunday. It has already led to the immediate expulsion of 10,000 migrants, including at least 299 unaccompanied children, who have been whisked back to Mexico or Central America. Most egregiously, those expelled include migrants wishing to apply for asylum. Only people who can persuade agents upon their arrest that they risk torture in their home country stand a chance of staying. The order is probably ripe for legal challenge. Asylum law permits people on American soil to seek protection. Democratic senators have called the new regime an executive power grab under the guise of global pandemic response. Lockdown in Turkey. Curfew a la carte. Last Friday evening, after Turkey's government declared a weekend curfew over the COVID-19 outbreak with only two hours' notice, chaos ensued. Up to 300,000 people swarmed supermarkets and bakeries to buy food, helping the virus spread further. Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, refused to accept his interior minister's resignation over the fiasco, but has learned his lesson. When announcing a curfew for this weekend, Mr Erdogan did so a few days in advance. The lockdown will begin tonight and last until late Sunday. Experts fear this piecemeal approach may not be enough to bring the disease under control. Cases have soared from below 16,000 to almost 70,000 in the first two weeks of April, though the infection rate seems to have stabilised in recent days. Mr Erdogan has resisted calls for a complete lockdown, arguing that the economy needs to be kept running. The country may pay dearly if his gamble fails. Guerrillas on the march. Ethnic strife in Myanmar. At least 45 civilians have died in Rakhine and Chin states since April 1st, casualties in a conflict that has embroiled this western region for over a year. The Arakan army, an insurgent group, is fighting to liberate the Rakhine people, one of the many ethnic minorities scattered across this patchwork country struggling for independence from the Bama majority. Unlike the others, they are making headway. The AA is better equipped and organised than most ethnic armies and commands overwhelming support from the Rakhine. Its tactics, targeting urban areas and carrying out hundreds of abductions, are humiliating the floundering Burmese army, which has suffered an estimated 2,000 casualties. 
The army has responded by escalating its offensives, murdering Rahim's civilians, according to Amnesty International, and denying the AA's request for a ceasefire to focus on tackling COVID-19. There will be yet more bloodshed. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Charles Darwin, who died Sunday in 1882. Ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.